You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I think we have ourselves a borderline football genius in Mike McDaniel, who completely out-game planned and out-schemed Sean McDermott. Time of possession, shutdown Stephon Diggs, had 190 yards rushing, one time of possession. They outplayed the Bills. Two days extra prep, Packers on Monday night. The Dolphins were 5-0 and against non-playoff teams, 0-3 against playoff teams on the road. They come back home for a non-playoff team. Green Bay's not beating Miami, Minnesota, and Detroit. This is a team that can't stop the run at all. I get the sharpest young coach in the game, Tua now comfortable with a disappointing season-long pass rush. I'm taking Miami, and in fact... I never do this on Blazing 5. 30 to 17, they win by two touchdowns. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I couldn't help myself. I told you guys I was going to pull receipts if the Packers won. And then, well, there's one for you. And again, it's like I said, there's nothing wrong with saying the Packers aren't that great. They're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs, or I don't think they're going to beat Miami. But to be so cocky about it. And and Colin Coward isn't even the worst. The folks over on ESPN, um, clearly, and, and they're doubling down, which is going to make it all the better when we beat Minnesota. Suddenly, it's, well... Miami, you know, Tua, he's he's not he's struggled. He had a bad day. He was giving away the ball, and you know, I mean, they're, they're still not going to beat Minnesota. And even if they do somehow get in, they're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs, despite a five game blah blah blah. We'll, we'll we'll get into it, but come on, man. In fact, let's let's do that as a way of kind of leaving that in the past and moving forward. And, and well, I guess we're not leaving it in the past because I'm going to be checking in with these dolts. As, you know, the week weeks go along. But um, apparently, I, I saw somebody say Rex Ryan was real hard on the Packers. No chance they win all this stuff. And the other guy, so, so two of the guys here were very anti-Packers. And then you've got, um, I wish they'd put the name somewhere. I don't know these guys' names. The former quarterback guy, I don't know. But anyways, let's just, uh, let's just see what they had to say about uh, the Packers winning and whatnot. You here, Rex. So far away. <laughs> they wish you were here to talk Packers. RC, I want to start with you. Are you buying this Packers team as a playoff team? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah, that was and, not convincing. But because because okay. we're, we're asking we're asking the literal question yes. versus the figurative question, right? The literal question is: Can this team get into the playoffs? And I owe the entire Packer Nation an apology because I said it was absolutely absurd to believe that this team could get into the playoffs, and I was wrong. Because there you go. There's the first step, acknowledging at the very least that you were wrong, that they can't get in. Now, they still may not get in, 
But the reality is, it, it, and people make it sound like some kind of a miracle happened. Nothing miraculous happened. Bad teams lost to better teams. Well, every single team lost that needed to lose. Packers are lucky. They, 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 nobody could have known that they were going to get so lucky. Are you out of your mind? Seattle just lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Giants lost to the Minnesota Vikings. Washington lost to the 49ers. Which of those things was not supposed to happen? Did you expect Seattle to beat Kansas City? I mean, maybe the Giants beat Minnesota, but the Giants have been absolute dog feces. And the 49ers are maybe the hottest team in football right now, going up against, again, a pretty trash Washington team. So to sit here and say, well, okay, I said it was impossible that they could get in, but I didn't know that everything would go their way. Baloney. You were quite positive Kansas City would beat Seattle, and if nothing else, Washington would lose to the 49ers, and probably the Giants would lose to Minnesota. Your entire sticking point is the Packers have no chance, no chance of winning out. In fact, they're not going to beat the Miami Dolphins, which is what most of these guys ended up saying. But now we're going to backtrack and say, okay, well, because everything was so lucky, you know, three favorites, two of them were heavy favorites, 10-point favorites and six-and-a-half-point favorites. The closest game was Minnesota was four-and-a-half-point favorites over the Giants. I suppose we should be blown away that the Bears lost to Buffalo, too. Like, you know, we just took a step further in the division. Those are the three games that mattered, and every single one of them went to the favorite. No, the reality is, it's not luck that got the Packers here. The only thing the Packers needed to do was to beat Miami. That was the only thing that mattered this week. Now, there's still an outside chance. In fact, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous because I think Washington could potentially go 2-0 the next couple weeks. But I think, well, in fact, I know that the Packers are very clear favorites and very close to controlling their own destiny by just winning the next two games, which is very doable. In fact, the only game I think I'm afraid of at this point is... Um, is the Minnesota Vikings, not just because, well, the Lions lost to the Panthers because they're trash. I told you that might happen. I told you that this was, for whatever reason, I didn't look a ton into it. A lot of people were real high on Carolina winning this game. But it's the specific reasons in which everybody said so that we're going to, again, get to in a minute that line up so unbelievably perfectly for the Green Bay Packers that it's there could not be a worse matchup. Well, they beat us once already. Just we'll get there. We'll get there. But anyways, there's the first step in at least acknowledging, okay, it's, it's possible. However, what I actually meant was, you know, that it doesn't matter even if they get in. Because now you look at them having games against two divisional uh, rivals, two division, divisional opponents that are very beatable opponents for the Green Bay Packers. Now, let's swing it around to what really matters. All right, what you got? If the Green Bay Packers get into the playoffs, okay. does anybody care? Absolutely not. This is not a team that is playing offense at a high enough level, okay. level to compete with the Philadelphia Eagles, to compete with a team like the San Francisco. Like the Miami Dolphins? They can't compete with a team like that? Is that? No? Okay. No, that uh, a, a team with a better offense than Miami. Right. Okay. 49ers. And even though we believe so much in what Aaron Rodgers has been historically, Aaron Rodgers has not been that this year. This you know what also I think is funny? Notice how often people use Aaron Rodgers in their arguments, but on both sides of the argument. On one hand, I don't believe in the Packers because Aaron Rodgers is not, has not been Aaron Rodgers. 
On the other hand, you're going to hear, for example, Rex Ryan talk about, uh, who cares? The Packers have, or you know, of course they've won this, that, or the other, because Aaron Rodgers is a is a Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a back to back MVP. All the, they'll constantly use that back and forth. I'm not going to give anybody in Green Bay any credit because, and and they've been doing this to the Packers for years. Nobody gets credit. Devontae had to become the absolute number one wide receiver in football before anyone gave him any shred of credit. He was a top 10 wide receiver for like three years. Nobody cared about Devontae, right? Nobody cares about Aaron Jones. Nobody cares about our offensive linemen. Nobody cares about anybody, anybody on this team because while Aaron Rodgers just, he just makes everybody so much better. But yet we also don't believe in the team because Aaron Rodgers has been bad this year. Come on, man. Let's pick a lane. Defense that is supposed to be dominant and that should have been dominant based on their roster the entire year hasn't been that. And we're going And here's another thing. Notice how often he's referring to the team from September. Not what the team has been the second half of the year. Again, I showed you the statistics. Now, it hasn't been all four quarters, but it is a much improved offense and defense. When he talks about they don't have the offense to get it done, I've told you, yes, they do. They have not the number one offense in football, but it's nowhere near the garbage offense we had to start the season. Since week 10, which is that that cutoff point for me, where, where things changed, at least for the offense, not the entire team. It sounds like for the team, it was around week eight. But for the team, they're 10th on offense. In fact, actually, it's uh, more than that because they played less games. Let me just see really quickly here. The Packers have the eighth-ranked offense in football. So they can't hang with Philly because they don't have a good enough offense. Okay, Minnesota is the ninth-ranked offense. So is is Minnesota... Miami is the 11th-ranked offense. You know, their high-flying, high-powered offense and all that. Kansas City Chiefs are sixth. The Packers are scoring 26.5 points per game. Kansas City is scoring 27.8. So about a point more. Washington... The team that that apparently does belong, but the Packers don't, uh, they're 18th. The Giants are 17th. The Buccaneers are 25th. The Baltimore Ravens are are dead last right now at 14.3. 14.3 is where they're at. So, I mean, you're right. They don't have as good of an offense as Philly. Um, but you know who has a better offense than Philly? Dallas. Who's better, Philly or Dallas? I mean, a fully healthy Philadelphia Eagles. By the way, Detroit has the third best offense. Is that, should they just be better than everybody or? I don't know how that works exactly. Just, just wondering. And again, there's no mystery here. These guys have a, have an entire league to cover. And it's really hard to know every single thing. And the bottom line is they're watching, you know, 16 different games in a week. And they use a lot of shorthand. And part of the shorthand is I watch them in September. I watch them in October. I watch them in November. I watch them fall apart. When I turn on a Packers game, I still see errant throws from Aaron Rodgers. I still see fumbled snap, you know, exchanges or handoff exchanges. I still see all kinds of bad stuff. I see the big plays given up. I see the stats against the run. Therefore, it's a bad football team. Therefore, their offense and their defense are trash. Therefore, they don't belong in the playoffs. When in reality, despite you know, the little shorthand that you've used, it just doesn't really hold up to the, to, to the facts, to the statistics. I'm not sitting here claiming they're the best. I'm not even necessarily saying that they're having even a good shot of doing anything in the playoffs, much less getting into the playoffs, or that's assuming they get into the playoffs. By the way, there was this little snippet here from Zach Cruz, just to kind of further pound home this point. 
Packers are fourth in DVOA over the last five weeks. They trail only the 49ers, the Bills, and the Eagles. Think about what that means in the last five weeks, which is not a small sample size. The four best teams in the NFL, according to Football Outsiders, are the 49ers, the Bills, the Eagles, and the Packers. Now, keep in mind, this is not just raw statistics or anything like that. This is looking at how well you performed compared to expectations based on who you went up against. The whole narrative is the Packers haven't done anything against any teams that are any good. They beat up on some garbage teams and lose to good teams. Football Outsiders vehemently disagrees and says the four hottest teams right now in football are the 49ers, Bills, Eagles, and Packers. He goes on to say they're seventh on offense, first in passing defense, and fourth on special teams. But let's continue. We're going to look at the last, the, the fourth quarter yesterday, uh, and we're going to say to ourselves, you know what, look at this. They got three interceptions, and they, and they became a dynamic defense. But this isn't a team that makes any noise getting into the playoffs. And then there are going to be people like Dan Orlovsky, right, who is now going to sit. Dan Orlovsky's the guy across the table that I couldn't think of his name, but I knew he was a quarterback. By the way, he didn't even go on to explain what he's talking about. He just said, look at what the Packers did. They had all these big explosive plays, and they sealed the game, but they won't do that in the playoffs. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough, I guess. Here, and he's going to wish he had a friend that can pull close to him like Rex and I, who have believed the entire season that the Green Bay Packers were no good. And he's going to be excited about a team with a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback yeah. that is the best of all time and has a team that is seven and eight. Oh. See what I mean? 30 seconds ago, Rodgers was no good. Now Rodgers is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and despite that, they're still 7-8. and eight. How does that make any sense? See what I mean? They'll just happily go back and forth however it best suits their, um, their narrative at the time. And again, he's, he's just looking at big picture. He's just looking at the entirety of the season. He's not looking at what the Packers have been over the last however many weeks. Five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. And he doesn't know. Okay, so first of all, I'm convinced Rex didn't show up today to, because he, so he didn't want to have to face me in person because he was maybe wrong about the Packers and I may have been right. Um, all right, so are the Packers a playoff team? To your answer, literally, yes, they have the opportunity. To Week 18, when they play Detroit at home, it feels like it's going to be a playoff game. That being said... It's pretty incredible that they are in the situation that they are. Because they, they beat the Bears no, and the no, Rams? We, See what I mean? This is another thing that they love to do. What? Oh, they beat the Bears and the Rams? We literally just beat Miami. We, the Packers just, 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 they are hours removed from the Packers beating the Miami Dolphins. And his response is, we should be impressed with them getting here. And... Um, it, 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 the, the retort to that is, well, because he beat the Rams and the Bears? Are you serious? See, and this is where it gets to be dishonest. This is where it's entirely dishonest. By the way, again, they refuse to acknowledge Dallas, and, and Dan Orlovsky really ticks me off because he sucks at arguing his point. All he had to say is, they just beat Miami. What about Dallas? I'm, I'm guessing nobody even knows because, again, this is all shorthand stuff. Off the, I don't remember five weeks ago who the Titans just played. I don't remember who they played this week. I have no idea. So I don't think they do remember these things. But how ridiculous. And, and this, is, this is what the Packers are up against. And, again, I'm fully acknowledging that was an ugly game. But the numbers are the numbers. You know, while the offense isn't scoring a lot of points, nobody is. Something's wrong out there in the universe. I don't know what's going on, but I know that the Packers have been doing a lot better than most other teams. And based on the numbers, 
in recent weeks, they are a playoff team. Anyways, then Orlovsky goes through and he's like, well, they've had a lot of injuries, which, eh, I, I guess that's kind of fair enough. Um, most of the key players have been, I, I don't I don't see a, a super good correlation between injuries and the team being good or bad, with the exception of a few key pieces. I mean, Aaron Rodgers would be a key piece. Christian Watson would be a key piece. Um, maybe Aaron Jones, but Dylan seems to be holding his own. There are some key pieces that if they go away, it changes the entire dynamic. Rashawn Gary would have been one, although we're overcoming that with guys like Jaron Reed and Preston Smith playing out of their minds the last couple of weeks. But anyways, here's Rex Ryan just spewing stupidity. Look at them on paper. They should be fantastic. They'd have been playing like this all year. But you know what? They haven't. So If you look at them on paper, they should have been playing like this all year, but they haven't. Okay, first of all, playing like what all year? Are, are you saying that they played really well? I don't even know if I would agree, but if that's what you're saying then that should mean something. Beyond that, they haven't been doing this all year, are you sure? What about last week or the week before? Or the week before that? What, 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 when, when, how, how far back does this go? How hard is it to look at recent history? It's amazing to me. So I ain't buying it. They're going to slip up in one of these two games, either against Minnesota or against Detroit. He said that about Miami, too. I'm not buying them still. And yeah, it was a, it was an impressive performance. Uh, excuse me, an impressive quarter by their defense. <laughs> so to me, I ain't buying it. This team, to me, you know, it, it's it's amazing. They're still the hell it is. You got a Hall of Fame quarterback. There it is again. It's impre- It's not impressive because you have a Hall of Fame quarterback. First of all, the Hall of Fame quarterback was a big part of the reason that there were so many struggles in the first half, borderline first three quarters. I think, his, I think his pick actually came at the beginning of the fourth quarter when I went back and watched a highlight clip of all that stuff, which surprised me. Um, not that it was 100% his fault, but, you know, whatever. Um, but, but again, well, now they don't deserve any credit because you have a Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, then why, why are you saying they're bad? I, I, it doesn't make any sense. What does that even mean? What does that have to do with anything? Why, why, why is that some kind of an argument against the team? Well, that, it doesn't count if you played well, or it's not impressive if you're good because you have a Hall of Fame quarterback. What impressive teams have garbage quarterbacks? Pat Mahomes, the, the Chiefs, oh, I'm not impressed with them. They got Pat Mahomes. That doesn't even make sense, and this is coming from a former head coach. Now, granted, he's never played with a good quarterback in his entire life. Uh, I think Sanchez, who he had some kind of creepy obsession with Sanchez's wife, uh, you know, that was probably the best quarterback he ever played with. But... Um, Apparently, and, and, and maybe maybe this is why he's so bitter, because he never had a really good uh, football team, or at least never a good offense or a good quarterback for sure in his entire lifetime. And so he's just sitting back pissing and moaning about, well, I'm not impressed with teams that have tried to be a coach of a team that doesn't have good quarterbacks. Maybe that's his whole shtick. I don't know. But that's a stupid argument. So anyways, that's that's generally where we're at from what I've been able to glean from the few people that have kind of come full circle on this ESPN, which was very anti-Packers and Colin Coward. And that is, Tua sucks for making me look stupid. He's trash. He gave the game away. Packers got lucky with all these other teams losing. Borderline doesn't even count. And so they're going to get knocked out in the next couple weeks and it won't matter. And even if they sneak in because of more luck, they're just going to suck and lose. And again, maybe, but you don't make any sense. Nothing you're saying makes sense. Like I'm, I'm open to it. I thought the Packers looked bad. Yeah, me too. 
I don't think they're going to do well. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You got anything to back that up? Well, uh, uh, look at him. Uh, uh. I mean, what, what was the most coherent argument that was made? Sounds to me like the most coherent argument that I heard was that Aaron Rodgers is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and yet the Packers are still not very good, largely because Rodgers hasn't been playing like a first ballot Hall of Famer, which is a little circular. But again, that's the best argument I can remember them coming up with. Anyways, kind of bouncing a little bit from that to the future, but I I found this a little bit funny as well. Um, Vikings fans are really mad. And the reason Vikings fans are really mad is because, as I predicted, the Packers would be favorites in this game. Because why wouldn't they be? The Vikings have been absolutely crapped on by Vegas and have been essentially right every single week, right? They were, uh, Vegas had Detroit beating Minnesota. Detroit did beat Minnesota. Vegas gave a paltry three and a half point home favorite line to the Vikings over the Colts and they couldn't cover it. And then this week, they only got four and a half points against the Giants. They didn't cover that either. They won by a field goal again. So not only has Vegas given them no respect whatsoever. Remember, the other games that we talked about, Kansas City, Seattle. Seattle is also a bad football team. Kansas City is a very good football team with a record very similar to Minnesota's. They were 10-point favorites in that game. San Francisco and Washington. I think Washington is better than the Giants, and Minnesota clearly has a better record than San Francisco, but San Francisco had a a 6.5-point spread. They won by 17, by the way. Chiefs won by 14 with their 10-point spread. So the Vikings have been getting garbage lines against garbage teams three weeks in a row. And if anything, Vegas has been overestimating them. And so anyways, the Packers come out and they're favorites at home. And Vikings fans are not happy about it. I want to play this for you. Um, Again, trying to dismiss it and and pretend like everybody's stupid. That's fine. But um, we're just going to revel in it for the week. Maybe we lose. I don't know. And then it won't be as funny. But it is funny listening to them absolutely melt down because they just refuse to acknowledge they're not that good. They refuse to acknowledge they're not that good. We are so much better than the Packers. Why? Because of the wins. That's why. Well, is there anything else to football? Nope, there isn't. On the channel for more than two seconds, you know, from time to time, Daddy likes to put a jelly bean or two down on the game. And, of course, the Vikings and the Packers getting it on at Lambeau Week 17 uh, with the Packers just... Razor, dental floss thin, Johan Santana, prime ERA, chance of making the playoffs, and the Vikings can just snuff it out like, like the dying embers of a campfire with one last piss before you leave the campsite. Mm. Uh, so the Packers, they're all hype. We beat Tua. Congratulations. Three. Again, now suddenly Tua's no good. We were... All week, the Packers cannot beat them. Why? Because this is an unstoppable offense. Now we beat the Packers, and it's, oh, wow, congratulations, you beat Tua, one of the worst quarterbacks in football. How, how, how does that make sense? I'm confused. Because I was told, and, and to be fair, I spent all week last week explaining, mm, I mean, they're good, but maybe not as good as everybody thought. But, but now, now, all of a sudden, everybody's on the other side. Well, that doesn't even count because their offense sucks. Oh, okay. Three interceptions in one quarter. Get the hell out of here. But yeah, wh- whatever. Uh, hey, scoreboard. Speak of which, so the Vikings are 12 and 3. Uh, the Packers are boop, boop, hanging on by life support uh, at 7 and 8. Congratulations. And oh, by the way, hey, good job that the Giants, you're welcome, lost, uh, as well as the Commies lost, the Seahawks lost, and the Lions lost. So basically, everything broke right 
Uh, for Everything broke exactly like it was supposed to, and the Lions really were a non-factor. The Lions, the Lions don't really matter at all. Because at the end of the day, we have to win out. And if we win out, that includes beating the Lions. And as long as we beat the Lions, it doesn't matter. What we needed was Seattle, Washington, and or the Giants. And those three things went exactly like they were supposed to. So, okay. But again, just the absolute bitterness and disdain he has for the Green Bay Packers. And, and again, how angry he is. And he loves bringing up the record, 12-3 and three against 7-8. and eight. And it does have to be annoying. Because for the first time... The Minnesota Vikings rule the NFC North, and now the Packers and Vikings play each other, and Vegas is like, yeah, Green Bay's going to win. They're better. Oh, that's got to tick them off. 12-3 and three against the 7-8 and eight Packers, and everyone's like, nah, probably going to be the Packers. Or the friggin' Packers. Must be nice. A- MBN, of course. Not saying that football is rigged. Rigged. Because three favorites won. I'm not. That's what I'm saying. But, uh, of course, getting back to the gambling aspect. So the Packers have opened up as pretty significant favorites. So uh, across various books, it it goes back and forth. So you can find... By the way, pay attention to the fact that he said opened up at three and a half. The Packers minus three. You can find the Packers minus four. You You can find the Packers minus three and a half, which... I'm perfectly okay with. And uh, there's a couple reasons why. This isn't as simple as, well, Vegas is always right. No, it's talking about trying to get as equal money as possible on both sides uh, for the most part. And now, I mean, Packer fans... That's not for the most part. That's not true. But the the argument here is, no, Vegas doesn't actually know anything. They're just stupid. All they care about is getting even money on both sides. And since Packer fans are idiots and will vote... And, and bet a ton of money, which doesn't make sense because I thought all Packer fans were a bunch of red be- redneck, hillbilly, uh, poor people in, in the middle of it, which is hilarious coming from Viking. You guys are north of us. You're more redneck. If, if, if Green Bay is redneck, Minnesota, I don't even know what. You guys are hill country. You're, you're hill people up there. Anyways, um, for some reason, they think it's like Minneapolis versus everything but Milwaukee and Madison. It's like, no, that's not how that works. We also have cities, and you have a city, and, well, you have like a twin, literal twin city, which, I mean, you guys are the ones talking, well, never mind, we're not going to get into that. I'm just saying, you get siblings that are kind of together. It's kind of weird. Twins, no less, apparently. But that's the argument. The Packer fans, they're, they're just a ravenous bunch of betters and, and degenerate gamblers, and they throw so much money at Green Bay that Green Bay is always going to be the favorite, except they weren't against Miami, right? We were four-point underdogs, four-and-a-half, against the Miami Dolphins, who don't have as good of a record as the Minnesota Vikings. So that doesn't make sense. I'll let them finish this nonsense before I completely dismiss it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. 
Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Fans, obviously, they're like, well, we're just going to throw our money around. Hell, the Packers could be 17-point favorites over the Vikings, which would obviously be incorrect. I mean, hell, them being favored in the first place is incorrect. But Packer fans would still put their money on it. See, so there you go. 17-point favorites in Packers. First of all, yes, a couple. The vast majority would not. But it's no different for any fan base. You're telling me that if the Vikings weren't 17-point favorites against the Packers, that Vikings fans wouldn't be throwing money at that? Of course they would. But but the basic premise that all the Vegas cares about is getting even money 50-50 is incorrect. The point is we need to set a line that is 50-50. In other words, it is equally probable on either side. The money is not really as big of a factor. In fact, it's not at all a factor. Let me read something I found here because I wanted to look this up just to make sure because it didn't seem to make sense to me. This is from the Action Network. This is uh, the guys that actually work with Colin Coward on his show, um, Blazing Fire. What, what is this thing? The Something? I don't know. I'm just going to read this because it spells it out pretty clearly. How does Vegas set the line? In order to come up with the odds on a given game or matchup, odds makers use a complex set of mathematical module, models, formulas, and computer algorithms. They, come, they also come up with power rankings based on key statistical categories, including strength of schedule and margin of victory. This allows odds makers to compare teams against one another and determine which teams should be favored and by how much. Odds makers also take into account win totals and future odds when helping to determine the odds. Win totals are set for uh, every team and are available to bet on all season. Because they've taken so much action from professional players, the market is very sharp and tends to be incredibly accurate. Interesting. It's weird that it's accurate because I thought if it was just based on, on betting, it should be kind of random and just bet on who has the bigger, more wealthy fan base, and the odds would actually be very, very wrong. The fact that the odds are very, very accurate would lead to a belief that actually it has to do with the game and the totals itself and not where the money is. Futures odds change throughout the season based on how well, how eh, we don't really care about futures odds. Odds makers also lean on a team of trusted consultants who give valued input on what they think the odds should be based on their vast experience in the industry. After consulting their computer model and power rankers odd uh, rankings, odds makers will come up with a rough estimate of what the odds should be. Then, after all that, they adjust the line based on a number of important criteria. Home field advantage, injuries, weather, unique scheduling or traveling spots, along with specific head-to-head matchups. If a great passing offense is going against a depleted defensive secondary, that is factored into the odds. If a team playing on the second night of a uh, back-to-back and didn't get in until 3 a.m., that is also taken into account. Here's where it gets interesting. And remember, I said, notice he said the opening line was three and a half in favor of the Packers. Here's what it says, because this is kind of sort of what he's talking about. Once the odds are finally set, they are released to the public in the form of the opening line or opener. Bettors can then pick which side they want to bet. At first, the limits are low. 
This means that bettors can only wager a relatively small amount of money on the game. Odds makers use this early period as a feeling out stage. They will allow sharp bettors to bet the game at low amounts in order to shape the line and make it as accurate as possible. Once they feel comfortable with the number they've set, the limits are raised. So, a couple things. Number one, when the line is first released, it has zero to do with who they think is going to bet the most money or where the money has been bet because no money has been bet. So when he's referenced an opening line, this is all based on the mathematical models and algorithms and insights and league insiders and everything else that said that the Packers are three and a half point favorites. Now, for the record, even if you think home field advantage is three points, they still leaves 0.5 in favor of the Packers, meaning... The general belief is not only is it not equal, but the Packers are better. But remember, that has mostly been dismissed at this point. It is not three-point home field advantage anymore. It's closer to one and a half or two. Now, that's probably down dependent on each team. And who knows, maybe the fact that it's Green Bay, Lambeau Field in December, maybe that is a full three points. Maybe it's three and a half. I don't know. But this has nothing to do with the bet where the bets are. Beyond that, though, listen to what I just read. Odds makers use this period as a feeling out stage. They will allow sharp bettors to bet the game in low amounts in order to shape uh, the future line to make it as accurate as possible. This doesn't have to do with the general public. This has to do with really, really, really good bettors getting in early at what they view to be faulty lines. In other words, this is just another part of the algorithm. Early on, they they use this as as a as a final correction. And again, it has nothing to do with the obese, redneck, Green Bay Packer fans who are apparently all millionaires and throw a bunch of money around. Vegas couldn't give a crap what people who don't know about football think about football. It's a feeling out period for the really, really good bettors who get in really early and blast one side of it. It's not about we need to swing the money to the other side. It's about we need to course correct here because this is telling, and that's why they they make the uh, betting small early on so that you can't come in and slam a million dollar bet on something that we missed. But once they get hit with something, they'll course correct, they'll figure it out, and they'll say, hey, we got to reset the line. Da, 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 da. But once they're comfortable with where the number is, they open it wide open. Because after that, they don't care. It's not to say that the number won't move, because it will, and it can. But that's going to be based on injuries. It's going to be based on other reports that come in. It has nothing to do with a bunch of money coming in, aside from that initial blast early on from, quote-unquote, sharp betters. So this dismissal, and, and the reason I'm hitting this so hard is you're going to hear this a thousand times from Vikings fans, and they're wrong. The Packers aren't better. Vegas doesn't think Green Bay's better. That's stupid. It has nothing to do with that. You don't understand anything. That's not how this works. Yes, it is. Vegas and these billion-dollar industries with their billion dollars worth of equipment, uh, putting together these computer algorithms and everything else, these billion-dollar industries are telling you definitively, not that the Packers are going to win, but that the Packers are right now a better football team with better odds of winning this game. That's what it's saying. And you can sit here and talk about the record all you want. You can pretend that Vegas doesn't know what they're talking about. You can. It doesn't matter. The reality is when, when this game rolls around, pending any new information with injuries or whatever, Vegas fully expects the better team on that day will be the Green Bay Packers. Now, it's always any given Sunday. Any team can win any Sunday. But that's not the question, and that's not the point. Because the reality is the best team doesn't always win. The question is, who's the best team? And I'm telling you definitively, the Green Bay Packers, 
on Sunday will be the best team based on all the best information. And so you can go ahead and cry about that all you want, but that's the reality. We were just like, oh, I, I got to pay um, minus 115 for uh, for minus 17. Okay. That's exactly what they do, man. So, uh, part- Yeah, man, totally. That's what they do. Totally, man, bro. Totally. I like this guy. Purple FTW podcast. I've told you about his podcast. He does a good job, but this is fake. This is He's very, very angry that Vegas has the Packers as favorites. He's very bitter, which makes sense because, again, all this time, this is all you've ever wanted. You finally usurped the Green Bay Packers. You did it. You're better. You have the better record. And all you can hear is everybody laughing and mocking, saying you guys are frauds. And now they're starting to pick up momentum about, wow, the Packers, they're actually winning. They're going to get in. It's crazy. And you realize that when everybody says they're actually going to get in, I can't believe it. What they're saying is, wow, they're, they're, they're just overlooking this Vikings game as though they don't even exist. It's only Vikings fans right now saying, well, they're, they're done after this week. They're done. They don't have a chance against us. Everyone else is like, dang, they're actually going to do it. That's crazy. Which also, by the way, is wrong, but I'm just, I'm just getting you into the mindset of a Vikings fan who must be furious. Greatest comeback in history. Justin Jefferson's breaking records. Like, we're tearing it up. It's like, dude, you guys suck. No, we're not. We're so good. Look at our record. Look at us. Uh, Didn't uh. you lose to the Lions? Shut up. Didn't you almost lose to the Colts and then the Giants? I'm just saying. Part, part of it is national fan base pile, pile driving on. Also, you know, the Packers, you know, people. That's another narrative that's nonsense. This is the national media driving it. Why in the world would you risk billions of dollars based on Colin Coward and Skip Bayless and the influence they have? It has nothing to do with anything. It has nothing to do with national media. You really think these guys don't know what they're doing? That the people who 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 are risking millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars on each one of these games that they're just their 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 idea of what's happening is being shaped by the national media. Wait, are you talking about the national media that I just got done playing that says the Packers are a joke? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're again, some people are coming around to, "Oh man, they might actually do it," but there, there, there's no national media consensus that says the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. This, 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 where, where, where does that even come from? People seem to think that uh, all of a sudden the Packers are rising up back on the streaks. I, I, I don't believe it because looking at their schedule, it's like, oh, congratulations, they, they won three games in a row. You beat the Bears. You beat Baker Mayfield in his second start at home. Congratulations. And then you beat the Dolphins when Tua just really beat himself. Congratulations. Yeah, we, <laughs> to repeat himself. Okay, I thought that wasn't possible, but again, yes, that is a three-game win streak. That's very true, but there's a couple problems. Number one, Miami is is not the Rams or the Bears, so you can't really use that as much anymore. Miami's also a better football team than the Vikings, number two. There's also Dallas that's in the mix. I know that was a couple weeks prior, but that was also a, a game that doesn't really fit the narrative that would be number three. And number four, are you really going to sit here and talk about quality of wins? Because the only thing the Vikings have going for them is we won, don't worry about how. And don't worry about who. Barely beating trash teams. Hey, hey, hey. Scoreboard, as he said earlier. In fact, that's the exact reason the Packers are favorites, not because of national media and fat, rich Packer fans. It's because they're better. It's because the quality of the Green Bay Packers wins, and even losses for that matter, have been of a higher quality than what the 
uh, Minnesota Vikings have done recently. That's the reality. It's funny having a uh, Vikings fan scoff at a Packers three-game win streak when the Minnesota Vikings are currently on a two-game winning streak, and that was against the Colts in overtime and the Giants, who they beat both of those games by three. But you're going to scoff at the Packers on a three-game winning streak, the last one coming against Miami in Miami. Is that right? The, the, the Vikings, by the way, back-to-back home games. The last time they were on the road was Detroit. By the way, they have had one, two, three, four, five, six. Five of their last six have been home games. Five of their last six. Their only road game in the last six weeks was Detroit, and they lost. This is getting late, so I'll just I'll throw an ad in, in the middle somewhere. Sorry, I guess, since you already heard it uh, for that random ad insertion. So yes, looking forward, um, and, and listen, I, I, full transparency, I, I'm not comfortable with this game at all. Th- this is very similar to that Miami game for me. Vikings have a worse defense, but potentially a, a better offense. Justin Jefferson is just as scary. I think Kirk Cousins is, is just as scary, if not more scary, than Tua. They have just as good of a run game, if not slightly better, if for no other reason than the fact that they'll actually use it, unlike Miami, which is another hilarious thing. Oh, the run game was working, but they just got away from it. No kidding. That's what I said was going to happen. They're very good at running the ball. They choose never to do it. That works in our favor. Anyways, so uh, believe me, same exact thing I said last week. I'm not trying to tell you that we're significantly better than the Miami Dolphins. I'm just saying people need to tone it down. Same thing with this. I'm not promising you a victory, but I'm not going to let people just shrug this off like, oh, that that doesn't matter. Don't, no, the, trust me, the Vikings are clearly a better team. Clearly. No, no, nope. When, when I say that this is the biggest fraud franchise in history, I mean it. You say, well, look at their record. The Vikings have only really ever done what was expected of them. Here's what I mean. The Vikings beat Chicago. They were seven and a half point favorites. They beat Detroit. They were six point favorites. They beat the Giants. They were four point favorites. They beat New Orleans. They were three and a half point favorites. They beat Indy three and a half, Arizona three and a half, Washington three, Miami three, the Jets three. They were two and a half point favorites against Green Bay. They were two and a half point favorites against New England. They lost to Dallas. They were underdogs in that game. They lost to Detroit. They were underdogs in that game. They lost to Philly. They were underdogs in that game. The only, 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 only outlier was against Buffalo. Buffalo was projected to win by six and a half. Now, don't get me wrong. It, it, it's impressive enough that they haven't given up a single game in which they were favorites. Every game they've been favorites, they've won. That's, that's impressive. Usually you give up one here or there. But the reality is they've been favorites in almost every single game, and when they're not, they've lost. They were only one-and-a-half-point favorites to Dallas. They lost 40-3. to They were two-point underdogs against Detroit. They lost 34-23. to They were two-and-a-half-point uh, underdogs to Philadelphia. They lost 24-7. to Again, Buffalo, that, that was, that's a good game, but it's the only one. For reference, the Packers, when they're underdogs so far, 3-3. Three and three. I'm so mad. My, my obsession with closing tabs. One of the videos I wanted to play that apparently I didn't, or I got rid of it too early. There was a clip on there. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I'm pretty sure what was said, which is funny because the 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 narrative is Matt Lafleur is a trash coach. He can beat players and coaches that suck, but he can't you know win win games or whatever that matter. Um, I believe he is the winningest head coach in NFL or since the merger. Um, as an underdog, ever. I'm going to throw it out there into the universe so that you can kind of look it up, dude. But it, it's something to that effect. I'm, again, upset that I 
left that aside. And look, they're, they're not the only ones. But to be fair, this is significant because, again, this is what you're talking about when you're talking about going into the playoffs. You're not going to be favored. So some other teams that are similar. Uh, again, the Minnesota Vikings, four games, they're one and three. The Chargers are one and four. New England is one and seven. Tampa Bay is 0 and two. Philly is 0 and one. But again, the issue is you're an underdog. What are you going to do with it? Uh, the, the other point is they haven't even big, been big underdogs. What about when you're three or less? Now you've got the two losingest teams um, are the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears, 0-3. Well, I shouldn't say losing as New Orleans uh, got five, but that's out of seven. They've at least won two of them. Four, four teams are winless when they were, I mean, we're not talking, because it makes a difference. If you're 17-point under, okay, yeah, you lose that game, fine, you, whatever. But I'm, I'm talking about just, you're, you're just marginally, marginally an underdog. It's basically a 50-50 split here. The only teams that haven't won, Minnesota, Chicago, the Jets, and Miami. And again, the point is, you start playing better competition, you're no longer the favorite. And how do you perform when you're not going, when you're not the favorite? For, if you're Minnesota, not very well. And so honestly, if you're looking for a team that's going to sneak in and surprise people, you're looking at the team like, for example, Detroit. They're three and one. So, I mean, we can just, you know, throw this away like no big deal. Look at, look at what the Vikings, they've been putting up points against everybody. They're tearing everybody. No, they have not. They've been beating teams they're supposed to beat, with the exception of one, and that's Buffalo. And you better believe I'm going to spend a lot of time digging into Buffalo to figure out what the heck happened in that game. But that's where we sit right now. Um, really quickly, want to talk about the Nathaniel Hackett firing. A lot of people I had, uh, was it Pedro, I think, that uh, reached out in on the old Twitters asking, should we bring him back? <sighs> I'm, I'm going to lean toward no, but I, the, the, the real answer is I really don't know. The only person that could really answer that question is, is Matt LaFleur and the people that are in the building because they understand what the issues are. They have the ability to look at it and say, the reason we're struggling so much is because I used to have a guy that could do X, Y, Z, and I just don't have that guy anymore. And if that's the case, then yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, But without that information, I'm only left with a couple things. And uh, that's number one, I don't know that Nathaniel Hackett really was the the driving force in this offense. Uh, I don't really have any reason to believe that Matt LaFleur is and always was the play caller. And so it would have to, something to do with, with preparation and, and things of that nature. Um, another negative would be look at the Denver Broncos, right? I, granted, it's a different, it's a different uh, situation, but it doesn't inspire a ton of confidence that this guy is a, necessarily an offensive mastermind in terms of, for example, game preparation and game planning and whatnot, which is what he'd be doing here for the offense. Um, and then also we have a guy right now. We have a guy that I think is, is very talented and very capable. I think the Packers like him. And I would be surprised if the Packers essentially fire him because I don't think he would accept a demotion. Uh, he would, they would say, hey, would you mind being demoted back to your old job? And he would essentially say, stick it and go find a job as an offensive coordinator somewhere else. And so do we want to essentially, again, fire the offensive coordinator we have to bring back Nathaniel Hackett? And maybe we do, I don't know, but... I would just lean toward no without any, without knowing for sure that that is, again, the driving factor in what is slowing up this offense. But I don't, I don't necessarily have any reason to, uh, to believe that other than just cause and effect, right? He left and then we got worse. So, 
I, I don't I don't know. But no. Also had uh, Peter, who's a Vikings fan, reach out and say that the Packers and Vikings fans are due for a laughing at the Lions episode. That's probably fair. Again, I think it was kind of uh, somewhat expected by a lot of people that were paying attention. Again, the Vegas people who were you know paying attention um, kind of expected this a little bit. But I, I will say I, I think there's a good chance that he will get a a he'll be at a, uh, the top of a lot of lists for offensive coordinator. I think he'll get a job pretty quickly, and I think he'll do a decent enough job. Um, I never really gave a ton of credit to Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe that's unfair. I mean, it's, it's impossible for me to see from where I'm sitting what exactly he's doing and, and how good of a job he's doing in that role. But I just remember when we hired him thinking, I don't get it. He got hired from the Jaguars who suck and they run a, a slightly different offense than what we're running. I mean, it's not it's not a Shanahan-based offense, so I don't necessarily understand this. And then, you know, they come in here and they're running a Shanahan-style offense, and Shanahan has to teach everybody how to run it, and Hackett has some kind of a role in there, although I have no idea what that role is. I mean, I, obviously there's a lot to it. I'm not saying he didn't do anything, but I, I, I don't have any visibility of his impact on the team, zero. So I don't know. And I can only assume that this is going to hurt him a little bit because this is a way to isolate his ability as an offensive mind. Although, again, he's a head coach, but still, people want to be able to see it. I want to see you put that big old brain into action, bringing that Shanahan offense to the Brown, to the Broncos, who already have a great defense, and we went out and got you a, a quarterback, and we're, we're bringing in this offense, and we want to see it thrive, and he couldn't do it. So, I don't know. If we did bring him back, would I be upset? No. We had it. It was fine. Everything was working. I wouldn't necessarily assume that everything would just get back on track, but if that happens, that'll kind of give me the answer to my question in terms of Matt LaFleur looks at this and says, we had a much better system that was much more fluid when uh, Nathaniel Hackett was here that we just don't have since we, he left. And we, if we can get him back, we can get right back on track. Anyways, I think we've covered enough ground for today. Uh, tomorrow, we'll look at the PFF grades and whatnot, a um, few other things. But I'm going to leave it at that for today. You guys have yourselves a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.